Hello and welcome to the week 15 edition of Spitball. I am your host, Adri Bullhawk Mallows, and with me as always, Marcus, I own Fantasy Football Henson. How are you, buddy? I'm very good, but I don't own Fantasy Football anymore, unfortunately. No, why? What happened this week? Our oh, playoff weekend. Playoff weekend. And uh, I'm afraid my uh, my fantasy road has crashed to an formidable stop. Oh, wow. Okay, well, my fantasy this week ended in a bit of disaster as well. The one league I made the playoffs in, I got beat very, very badly. And our league, I obviously didn't even make the playoffs because people like you were too busy owning it. Wow. But, we tried. We tried. But there we go. So, the week's action. I want to start off this week by talking about a man we've been talking about a lot about recently... And that is Adrian Peterson. This guy is just phenomenal. Running back for the Vikings this week. He had an 82-yard touchdown, which was just phenomenal. There's a highlight of it on the blog itself. He had another 52-yard run. I know it upsets you maybe a little bit talking about it as it was against the Rams. but No, no, that fair play to the guy. You broke it down, the guy. Firstly, fair play on that 82-yard run touchdown pass. The offensive line there, how they broke down, hit the second level, was beautiful. The fullback just hitting the last and only man who can get him in a proper block. Because you see a lot of fullbacks tend to whiff once they get into the open field. They have brilliant when they hit in the trenches because they can just be big and bulky but making that one-on-one block against say a, a, a nifty linebacker or a, a short starred safety that's it yeah they normally try and cut them down low don't they just to try and make it and then that could end up where you, they could just literally walk all over you and make the tackle but no, a great I, block and he just blew out of that gap and the guy's so quick I, I underestimated how quick he was and the more and more I watched the highlight of this 82 yard run the more impressed I am with his speed. I mean, he's got to be, what do you reckon, about 4-3? Something like that, that he does the 40 in? Yes, it's definitely under the 4.5, isn't it? Yeah, just absolute, just uh, tearaway speed. Great performance. We also know now he's closing in in the single-season rushing record. Two games to go, and he's under 250 yards away, I believe. Absolutely, and he's at the moment he's setting a current trend, which should mean that he will surpass it. He's running on the back of eight games, back-to-back, hundred yards in his pocket. Wow, yeah, that's a phenomenal achievement for any running back. Absolutely. I mean, think about this, guys. Last time he didn't, we're talking week six at Washington, he still ran for 79 yards. Wow, yeah. He's just come on leaps and bounds. He's going to win so many awards this year. I mean, we're talking comeback player of the year. He's got to win offense player of the year. And to be fair... Who knows, he might win our, our offensive impact player of the year. He may very well do. He's got some stiff competition... But also, I'm looking at him for MVP because you look at the pure difference he makes to a team when he's running on all cylinders. Oh. It brings. I mean, no offense to uh, to ponder, but he isn't really ready to captain the full team yet. I mean, you see that how many times they've managed to to take wins. I mean, they're doing all right at the moment. I mean, the way Vikings are, they are in a positive playoff picture with an eight and six record. But I think you actually attribute at least a good four or five of those wins on the back of Adrian Peterson he's the one who's who's really steering that ship in the right direction at the moment absolutely because they can control the clock with his runs and also you've seen that he's got that explosive playability if you, for lack of better words because he could just make it happen at any point on the field well that's the thing is, is you look down the first quarter 
Rams had managed to hold him to 13 yards. 13, that's all there was. It was looking like he wasn't going to have that productive day. It looked like Rams, with Jeff Fisher's attacking, very aggressive defense, managed to cap the offense. Because, of course, Ponder wasn't being able to get out of his stance in time. So his, his passes were completely off time. He wasn't finding people. It wasn't really working with uh, Adrian Peterson because he wasn't being able to form that, that punch, trying to play it wide. I think they had it one time they tried to play it wide. They lost four yards, so they stopped playing it wide. So they kept trying to run out the gut. But to the persistence of the Vikings' um, offensive coordinator and the team that they believe so much in Peterson, it's almost like a battering ram. You just keep hitting the doors. Yeah, you're not going to break them first time. What you're going to do is you're going to keep weakening them, you're going to keep pounding them, cracks will start to form, and then once you've hit it enough times and enough cracks are there, barely holding the door together, you're going to smash it and shards will fly and big things will happen. That's it, and at the start of the second quarter, I think the commentators summed it up best when they were like, uh-oh, watch out, just as he breaks free of that block and just, as we say, tears away. But I think Adrian Peterson had a great game this week. Leads us nicely into our offensive impact player. Yes, I think absolutely. I think that's a great place to start with. Going on this format, I'm going to start with my silver medalist, my second place before I get into mine. Adri, are you going to have a go at doing yours this week as well? Uh, Yes, I am. And uh, for the first time, I'm going to be doing them on the fly because I haven't written them down. There you go. So, mine, on the other hand, and we're going to start my silver medalist. So, this is someone of merit who wasn't the overall impact player of the week. And I'm going to actually give this kind of a a, a, a obtuse one here saying offensive impact player. I'm actually giving it to um, Sebastian Janikowski of the Oakland Raiders. Really? A kicker? Wow, that's the first. And do you want to know why he is an offensive impact player? Because he scored the only points. Because he scored the (laughs) only points. Oakland, what is going on? Seriously, you've got Carson Palmer, you've got some really nice... I mean, McFadden hit a 100-yard game, but you're telling me that you can't even put any points on the board? We're talking about a KC defence here. KC Come on. You've had some really nice breakouts of plays with Reese coming out of the backfield as well. You've got some receivers who are starting to do stuff. Hayward Bay. Hayward Bay. Yeah. I can't think of the other guy who has been... Uh, Demarius Moore. Demarius Moore. Been a great player here. He's got such a burst of speed to him. Of course, we know that Oakland like to have all speed. And the problem is that they, they don't have that one clutch guy that they could always go to. But i tell you what... The, the tight end Myers has really started to really pull on the leaps and bounds and he is literally though he's not getting the yards years what he's doing is having those nice secure pair of hands that you could just five yards just to dump off and maintain that first first down thing but Sebastian Janikowski he was five for six right so that shows you how much you got your kicker trying to kick six times in the game yeah that's never good but he got a 41 a 30 a 50 a 57 and then finally finished off with a nice little 20 yard chip shot to finish the game we're talking two fifty yarders. We're talking three of them over forty yards. The guy has just got a phenomenal boot, and we know what he can do. He's dependable. I think really the biggest mistake Oakland will make this year is if they don't sign him once he becomes a free agent waiver at the end of the year. Well, yeah, good give old... the man another contract. Yeah, Seabass needs a contract. Sort yeah, it absolutely. Out. <laughs> so therefore, I mean, it's, it's, when you have got a kicker who's literally winning the game for you, there, because I mean, we understand that sometimes you do take your kicker. I need you to kick this field goal to win the game, kind of in the same respect as um, Cowboys had their kicker win it for him this this week. So those sort of situations, the finish the game, not you're going to score all our points through the game. What is this rugby? Come on, guys. Yeah, no, very true. And um, thinking of kickers as well, we, we talked about it briefly in one of the other episodes, didn't we? About kickers almost don't get enough credit because we've seen 
how much they affect a game, especially with Washington cutting a kicker really early on. They got rid of uh, Garner, didn't they, pretty early on. Mm. Um, and they brought in Billy Cundiff, did they not, I believe? I know Actually, it wasn't Cundiff, was it? Or did they have Cundiff? I think, I think Cundiff was got Cundiff's cut. Cundiff's the one that got cut, sorry. And they brought in the young rookie lad who's kicked 15... 15 out of 15 he is literally on record to um, the the record for rookie is 16 out of 16 yeah so he's one kick away from tying the rookie record two away from setting a new one yeah it's just phenomenal and thinking of rookies you lead nicely into my offensive impact player having had the chance to watch the Buffalo game in full this week Russell Wilson is my offensive impact player absolutely I mean he tore the Buffalo defence apart. He had three rushing touchdowns. He threw for another one. The guy was just on fire. We just could not stop that option offence. The college system, he was running it perfectly. And there was a few people on Twitter saying, just do what you did to stop Vic last year. It's not the same. Vic was just straight up trying to run the ball. Wilson's playing an option, so he's either going to hand it off or he's then going to bootleg it. It's a different scheme. And it's very, very difficult to try and counter-attack it because... You just don't know. If, if you leave space in the middle, he's just going to hand it off to, to Marshall Lynch, who is an absolute beast. And then his speed, you see his turn of speed on his, I think it was a 20, 25-yard run, just literally turned around the corner and just blew into the end zone. He must be talking at least four and a half speed as well. The college system will work so well is because it's a system that's used quite a lot over here as well in the um, the British American football game. Because you tend to have quarterbacks without as without insulting them so much but they don't have the, the dogged arm not everyone's an, an Andrew Luck you won't find Andrew Luck running the option because he doesn't need to run the option no, absolutely. you run the option when you haven't really got as much of the arm towards to go walk with you hence why people like Tebow ran the option because literally it was a trick that is very effective standardised defences don't play well against it because when you're, you're blocking a run or a pass with those two intentions when you're working on the system of the option where you can stop one of the runs two runs to stop in a single play it doesn't quite work it's like the same way as if you have a really good reverse work you yeah. don't you don't build a single reverse set defense because there's no point designing it because it's such a, a trick that you won't be able to sort of plan oh they're definitely going to run in this formation through that yeah and something else the commentator admittedly the commentators pointed this out on Sunday night when I was watching the game but when you watch it you can see it Russell Wilson's play action they're not wrong when they say his play action is one of the best in the game I think it helps when you've got someone like Marshawn Lynch that you're giving the play action to but if you just compare and if you can go out on YouTube I'm sure you'll be able to find a few like for example you go with Russell Wilson's play action compared to Fitzpatrick's play action Fitzpatrick is very, very, very lazy on the play action. He literally hangs the ball out there. People know exactly where it is. They see it doesn't get handed off. They know it's going to be a pass. Whereas Wilson, he literally tucks the ball into the rusher before pulling it out again. It's a very, very well-drilled play action that he has. And it will fool the best defences in the league without doubt. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the way you have that rapport, though. There's a lot of time just spent with you and the running back. Literally, snap, play action, snap play action, snap, play action, just to get it so that we have that perfect fake. When you are just sort of sticking out the ball and then whipping it a good yard from the player's body just to give the idea that you're you're sort of like handing it off, a lot of teams now have got used to the idea that the movement, the set, the way that if you're going to hold down a lot of play action as well, because you tend to roll out towards your backside, you need to have extra blockers in, so there tends to be a lot of time you'll have a set tight end who's your blocking tight end will suddenly come into the game and, oh, what's this tight end going to do? He's not going to go and be like a um, 
Jimmy Graham or a Gonzalez, you know. Um, so you, you know you don't really have to account for them. If they're going to come in, it's, it's usually for a reason. So you put in a blocking tight end or that extra down lineman. It's for a reason. It's for the backside coverage. Again, handing off the ball lazily. That's part on the quarterback and how he feels that he wants to run it. Wilson is coming from, again, another sort of college system where it's it, he's come out of a more, like you say, the option works well when you have a decent running back. Decent running back sells the run. You can then also have it so that way a good option back because he's got that. What's the other running back? Turbin. So he's got two good running backs because he's got a good option back, but he's got a good pounding back. The good pounding back's going to sell it on it every single time. And again, with some decent receivers, he's got Golden Tate and uh, Sidney Rice. Um, I feel that he actually has the options to come out of the play action confident as well. Yeah. That he knows that he's got people with a lot of breakaway speed, but also with uh, some very secure hands. Yeah, they also come up with a, a brilliant trick play. I think it was a play action into a lateral that turned into a flea flicker, mm. I think, uh, if memory serves. And it was just phenomenally executed. Just the cheeky little fake, the backward pass to Sidney Rice, I think it was, who then passed it back to Russell Wilson to send it about 40, 50 yards downfield. Oh, there's lots of lots of bits of piece in that that can go wrong. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, like you say, that's why a lot of colleges will do that a lot more because the fact is a lot of time at a college will take on a lesser team. So yeah. why not throw in some trick stuff? Because, you know, keep your fans entertained when you're playing the smaller divisions when they have to play the big boys. But when you're in the pros, they don't tend to worry about that because you have to worry so much about the rush guard coming into then as well. I mean, you think there's three different passes there. Yeah. I'm, I'm blocking linemen. I'm having to break off the initial one then I'm going to push my guy off to try and encourage him to try and pursue the Sydney Rice yep. and then he's going to then turn around once he sees the ball coming the other way so it's literally almost like having to defend twice like I was talking that, that metaphor about the ramrod earlier literally you get punched once you've then got to sort of almost like withstand that barrage get rid of the barrage shake your head get your head back focused ready hold the box again and then you're going to hit back off so you're holding off for about a good sort of, is it a sort of six to eight second burst there mm. when you're you're in play? Whereas, as we know, the average NFL play tends to take about four seconds. Yeah. So let's move on then onto your offensive impact player. Yes, number one has to be this week. Of course, we've just spoken about the man. He is awesome himself. It's Mr. Adrian Peterson is my impact player of the week. Don't know how he couldn't be. The guy, 212 yards, the touchdown. Um, what Breaking it down, I mean, like I said, he really carried the team. When Ponder was seemed to be lacking, bang, he's going to hit an 82-yard touchdown run. He also averaged 8.8 yards because he had another 50-yarder and he had a couple of, I think he had five over 20-yard runs. So it shows yeah, you how it was just amazing. It shows you how he broke it down on the day because he had a lot of attempts. He had something silly like I think it was twenty-seven attempts running the ball, but you've got five of them that really made up your yards. The rest of it is him just slamming into the defense for two-yard games at a time. Yeah, that's, that's so dogged on your body. It's such hard to take, and then being able to take all that punishment and then still turn around and then once again smack, 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 smack. The crack shows, and you're going to smack one more time to punch through it. It's very difficult. And it takes a lot of punishment on the body, but it also takes someone with a lot of guts, and hence why that is a an impact player's performance. So you've earned it, my friend, earned it well. Excellent. And let's move on then nicely to our defensive impact, impact player. Absolutely. Uh, I'll start on my silver medalist again, and my one is going to go for the Arizona defense, the entire defense collectively. Really? 
Yes. The reason is, we've been watching the last couple of weeks where Arizona has decided to implode. Beginning yeah, phenomenally <laughs> implode. Beginning of the year, we saw the Arizona defense come out and we do some of these performances. And Arizona won. They went 4-0. and Yep. Okay? Then they've come back. Obviously, they've made some adjustments, some injuries, and they've had to fill in some spots. Now they're kind of back up to full strength. We're seeing them again, what they can do. They've had this slump. They've come back out of it. And now they're trying to pursue some kind of form because the offense isn't doing it. I mean, no. literally, these guys... They've got Lindley at quarterback still, wasn't oh, it? Oh, I, I don't know who they got. They got they pulled some fan from the cra- uh, from the crowds and asked him to, to suit up, in, in my opinion. You, to be honest, you I think a fan might do a better job. I do think he might, actually. But literally, I mean, what worked from this week was the ground game and the defence keeping them in this game. I mean, OK, yes, you're playing the Detroit Lions, nothing to write home about, but still... You've got but Matt, still, when you're going Stafford, up against Stafford and, and Calvin Johnson, absolutely. Not to mention there are other weapons in Pettigrew I, I, as well. I like Pettigrew. I also like that LeShaw and Bell because Bell's now come back into the, the picture. Oh, they're running, but yeah, yeah, they got Flash and Thunder now, and that looks really quite good. But it didn't quite work when the Arizona shut them down like this because you know you've got four turnovers, you've got two of them returned for touchdowns, you had two sacks on 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 Stafford. He didn't look comfortable all day, to be honest, trying to throw in the pocket. The only times he really got out and actually made any plays was when he had that brilliant gunsling he tend, tends to have from his sidearm. Oh, yeah, side he's arm, got yeah. a beautiful sidearm when he breaks away from the pocket when he's in real trouble. Coming in, a bit of a sidearm action. He's absolutely great at that. I don't think there's anyone in the league quite as good as eluding and then still getting rid of the ball kind of like what Ben Roth was worse. and maybe Rogers as well to a degree Rogers is a good, good one for that I read something this week about Patrick Peterson Patrick mm. Peterson proclaims that he is the best cornerback in the NFL discuss ooh I love it <laughs> Patrick Peterson he, his, he was definitely highly rated coming out of college I think a lot of time um, he's had a lot of troubles because he's been singled they've tried to create like Revis Island with him but then if he's the best cornerback in the league, surely he would have his own island. Yes, but I don't... I think that the problem is with uh, Arizona, why Revis got away with it for so long is because Revis had... Firstly, he had great safeties. To a degree, I think he also had a great front seven as well. He had a great this front. is when we're talking yep. and they still had Vilma. This is going back, obviously, four or five years. Landry, who's yeah. now over in... Um, was his safety because he had some great help over the top so it's very easy to be a really good cornerback when you're, you're in a good system because a lot of the time those situations will come up where you'll put one on one and you can step up to it um, especially if the pressure's on the quarterback because you know it's either going to be an underthrow or an overthrow because they've got to rush it exactly so therefore you're going to take on the, the number one receiver and you're going to sort of nine times out of ten you're going to have the help of the front seven either creating a bad pass bad throw or there's going to be a chance to bump him at the line of scrimmage and sort of disrupt it that how Revis is sort of really dogged about putting in his own personality to the game I think Peterson's trying to trying to get a stamp on that yet but I think he's he's a few Jews away from actually being able to call himself the best corner who would you think at this stage maybe aside from Revis or maybe it's not even Revis the best cornerback best corner in the league but there is there's one of the Packers I really loved him Watching the other day, it literally had Brandon Marshall to, to block all game. Yeah. Literally, Marshall had a good game, but literally didn't didn't have the impact he needed to have to win that game. Really impressive. They've got Shields back as well, and I think Shields is a really good corner. I think Shields is the, Shields sounds like a, a name that pops to mind, actually. That might be it. Um, but we had Janora They do Shield. have another one as well, who's been getting a load of interceptions recently, I think. But I think their corner was the leading rookie in yeah, interceptions. Yeah, six, six interceptions. Yeah. And we're just having a look. Green Bay have got a few cornerbacks, actually. You've got Tremont Williams, 
who I think is another good corner. Mm. Um, but he's been playing in the league for six years, um, so he's obviously got the experience there. You've also got, uh, I think, Morgan Burnett, I believe, is another one of their corners, who's been having some really good games lately. Absolutely. Uh, uh, no offence to him, he has he has got skills, and but kids, you got you got to pay your dues, you got to work on all your fundamentals because there's a reason why you guys are, are five and nine at the moment. And yes, you did go on a four and zero run, but I think you had uh, you had a little help with some lucky breaks, a couple of um, field goal wins there, wasn't there? Uh, Casey Hayward, just coming back to it, is mm. the Green Bay cornerback who was leading the rookies in interceptions. Yeah. No, Green Bay, they've got good defensive back coach. Absolutely. So, I really like Stefan Gilmore at the Bills. I think he did struggle a little bit early on, I think, with Rice, just because very early in the game, some of the moves he was putting on him. But I think when he matures in the next sort of season or two, you can really see there's a lot of raw mm. talent there. Just needs to work on his contact downfield. Because yeah. he has, some of them have been dubious, but he has given away quite a few big passing films calls. But in general, I'm really liking how physical he is. Talking about physicality with cornerbacks, not just being a Rams fan, but Cortland Finnegan. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. Finnegan loves a good fight as well, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's a nice little like Jack Russell, which literally he's going to come in there and he's going to have a right good scrap. I think he's still got to work on his uh, single-man coverage. I think he gets maybe sometimes burnt a little bit too easily. Mm-hmm. But if he's going to come in down, especially he tends to take a lot of the nickel packages, taking on big guys sometimes, taking on like tight ends and really matching them for pound for pound, considering... We'll move away from cornerbacks because we could talk about them forever because Marcus used to play cornerback and still does for the Spartans. And although I'm a safety, I am having to drop into corner a little bit, so I'm kind of finding a soft spot for that position myself as well. But let's move on to my first place defensive impact player. You cannot help but talk about this guy more or less every week of the season. AFC player. Who do you reckon it is? Is it J.J. Watt by any chance? Absolutely. That guy just dominated against Indianapolis. I mean, he was here, he was there, he was tipping balls, he was sacking uh, Andrew Luck. The guy just knows how to influence a game. And I heard something quite funny. It was um, his, He wears an arm brace, mm. and a lot of that is because his, apparently his grandparents said they like it because they can see where he is on the field, as well as it being a preventative measure, measure rather than being an actual injury. But it's like... You don't need an arm brace to know where JJ Watt is on the field. Just look for the guy making all the plays on that Texans defense. Absolutely. I mean, he had a right staple this week where he had 10 tackles, he had three sacks and a forced fumble along with four swap balls. Oh, four four swap balls. Unbelievable, this guy. I mean, what a season he's having. If he doesn't go to, he's going to go to the Pro Bowl, no doubt about it. And again, potentially defensive player. MVP, of the year. you got to be. Or MVP, yeah, potentially. Defensive MP- MVP, I think, this year. There's not many other people who really created that much of a, a stir, I think, amongst this year. I mean, we know Texans, they're, they're, they've gone back to win the division for the second year running. Yeah, they have this week with their win over Indianapolis. They've sealed up the AFC South. But I think we've got to take into account there's a lot of things that have improved even from last year on the Texans, which is why I do like them to have a little bit of a better run in the playoffs this year. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm assuming from the stats you have there that JJ Watt may have also been your defensive, defensive impact player. 
Of course he was, absolutely. We've got a dual threat here coming through. You've got both awards coming from both me and Andrew this week. Well done, Mr. JJ Watts. Well, let's also mention someone else in on that Texans defence, as we agree on the same player. But Antonio Smith mm. is also... Is Antonio, is it Antonio Smith? No, no, no it's him. Antonio. It is Antonio Smith, isn't it? I was getting confused because I'm sure there was no Bills running back with the same name. But Antonio Smith having a great yeah. season for the Texans this year. Um, what we've got to do is we've got to see really where they're going to go from this because... The only time they tend, they've got some problems, maybe a little, a couple of holes in when they get banged up in the, the secondary. Um, we've we've known that because we've seen it twice this year now. What with Green Bay minced them for for six touchdowns, I do believe. Um, Aaron Rodgers helping himself on touchdown finale there. Then we took four off Mr. Tom Brady. So we know that where they are vulnerable and where they're not vulnerable is that front. That front is is impressive. Oh yeah, absolutely. Other things that stand out from this week. The shutouts. There was three shutouts this week. Mm. We had Atlanta shutting out New York Giants. Uh, did Arizona have a shutout this week, my friend? No, no, no. Arizona didn't have a, a shutout, though. Um, it wasn't exactly the most high scoring. I believe thirty-one fourteen was our match. Oh right, okay. Uh, let's have a uh, Tampa Bay got shut out. That's this right. Week. Tampa Bay got shut out by the Saints. And there was one other team that got shut out this week, and it was, of course, Kansas City Chiefs against Oakland with Seabass kicking all the points. Another game to talk about briefly this week before we go on just to finish off the show. San Francisco versus New England. Have you seen the game? Do you see the highlights of that yet? Yes, I watched, I watched mainly the um, the ones from the actual direct NFL website. Um, a lot of them highlighting Kaepernick, which yeah. fair play to him because he did have a great game. Seems to be pointing a lot more to, say, the step up by Michael Crabtree rather than Kaepernick himself, which Kaepernick's had problems where he has been able to find people. Though apparently they've been ranting and raving about him all year in this camp that when he's at training, the amazing things he does and he doesn't bring him to the field. And I think we, we shifted a lot of the thing, the site and um, Jim Harbaugh putting him into the, the folly instead of Smith. And I think sometimes you've got to sit there and go, there's guys on the outside. I mean, you look at Fern Davis's production, one one catch for ten. I mean, what, what are you doing to help your quarterback out? But no, other people then said, okay, when you step up, Randy Moss came in today. With, uh, came in for a touchdown and he, he was there yeah. for three for catches. You had Crabtree, he was over... Uh, 100 yards I'm trying to think of the other receiver they have I can't his name's not, it's just eluding me at the moment what Mario Manningham thank you um, so they had other people sort of really step up and give the chance because we know that the only real weakness pertaining towards New England is the defence so if you're going to hit them you've got to outscore them yeah and well this week even 31 points wasn't nearly enough was it I mean I couldn't believe it when I saw it the following morning. Right. Obviously, it's a bit late to stay up to to watch it for us on 24 Sunday, points the Pats managed to to scrap together in the fourth quarter. 24 points. Yeah, unbelievable. They got that one at the end of the third quarter and it just amazes me that with 10 minutes uh, to go in the third quarter, they were 31-3 down. With seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter, it was level at 31 all. So you're talking in 17 minutes... <laughs> mm. The Patriots have just had complete domination and scored 27 unanswered points. Yeah. But again, that's what they do. That's why you have to be able to stay up. sorry. That's why you've got to be able to stay up and you've got to... Have a, it's almost like being uh, playing baseball and staying above the, the count, you know? Yeah. Once you suddenly hit three and two, you're suddenly swinging for your life. Every swing could be the last because you're going to be swinging on breaking balls, you're going to be swinging on the, the dead straight fastball at the middle the curveball and everything because you're just swinging swinging for your life if you can stay ahead of the count you know 
and you can choose what you're going to swing at. The bad balls, you know, let them throw the bad balls away because you're going to wait for that home run hit, and that's the one you're going to smack out the park. Yeah, just a great game and all. Again, I strongly recommend you watch the highlights that are on the blog or go find them on NFL.com. You'll have to probably go to the game review to try and find the highlights because I couldn't actually find it on the video section itself. But great game to watch. I mean, the highlights are probably about three, four minutes long. Something that came out of the highlights, people I was thinking about mentioning for my defensive impact player because they mentioned it again in the commentary, but it just got me thinking about all of the plays I've seen them make over the last year. Dante Whitmer at safety, an ex-Bill, glad he's doing so well in San Francisco, who just hits so hard. They were saying him and the other safety in San Francisco, I think, is it uh, Goldman? Mm-hmm. They're just hitting so hard. They're causing turnovers. Receivers don't like catching the ball over the middle when they're on the prowl, forcing fumbles left, right and centre, and just never ceased to uh, amaze me at how many turnovers they create from the safety position well that was the thing it was that's the um, if like I said earlier that the defence was the only weakness to um, to New England it's the strength of the San Francisco so therefore the, you're working on the idea is that your defence can stop an offence principally there's no greater challenge really when then you're taking on Tom Brady and an offence under his command at the same time, I feel that there was there was points where they kind of let themselves get lax, and then once they sort of got caught out, it was very easy to exploit them, i.e. hence why 28 unanswered points came. But it's much more pressure coming back onto you if you're suddenly coming off the field saying, go on offence, put another score on the board for us, you know, take some of the pressure off us. And then and they're the, going four and out. And it's, it's, it's very difficult. Uh, yeah, Goldson, my apologies, rather than Goldman, sorry, for the other safety that... Hits just as hard as Dante Whitner. Now, thinking of how hard Dante Whitner hits, I don't know if you remember this, but well, I'm sure you will. The playoff game last year against, I'm trying to think, it was, it was against the Saints, wasn't it? It was Pierre Thomas, was about three yards away from the goal line, was pound, trying to pound it in around the outside like he normally does, and Whitner just hit him so hard. He's knocked him out for one, and he knocked the ball out as well. I mean, it's just when you see it, it's such a bone-jarring hit. Well, it's one of those ones where you're sitting there going, it's nice to see the sort of physicality, because let's face it, it's a contact sport, it's a physical sport, it's what we want to see, and a lot of people, there's always going to be grumbles about the fact that, you know, there is um, player safety is elevating, and so it should in, in respect, but there has been a lot of babying we've seen this year where the very sort of on-the-edge, sort of just about enough to call it illegal, are getting called, sort of... Maybe there was one got called this week where guy goes down through going down through the course of the play. The defender was attacking him through his midriff, and of course, as the defend as the attacker falls, of course he makes contact with his shoulder to his helmet. Now, I just don't think you can actually sit there and go when you've chosen to target someone's midriff to avoid the head, and their head then is then going to fall into the path of your attack pattern. I don't think you have time in a half a second to adjust from your, your lunge into their midriff, which is now suddenly taken up by their head. No, absolutely not. And that sort of call has got to be sensible, hasn't it? You've got to protect the player. But if the player's head is in a position where you wouldn't normally expect it to be, you've got to use a little bit of common sense and be like, well, actually, he's not gone out, as you say, to hit him in the head. But, you know, at the moment, don't even get me started on the officials this year with the replacement refs and then with the real refs coming back in some of the decisions that have been made, I still will never get over that four-set touchdown that the Texans had. Oh, yes, the my knee and elbow are down, but nobody's seen it. Yeah, unbelievable. And then the Texans the following week had one where 
they had absolutely no business playing blowing that fumble dead. The oh yes, yes, the fumble that running. just you know absolutely no idea how a fumble where no defender is even touched down by contact. More to the point, the guy was clearly on his feet when the ball got knocked out. So you're not even disputing the fact that it was a fumble because it's clear he's on his feet. It gets mm. knocked out. No one touches the defender. The defender doesn't go down. He just literally scoops it up and runs it into the end zone. And somehow between the fumble and the defender picking it up, they've blown the whistle. I think someone's just a little bit preemptive there. Definitely. We need to, as I say, I'll get off my high horse with the refs because let's just put it down to experience and say that hopefully next year they'll come back, they'll learn from their lessons this year and from the lessons of the replacement refs. And we're going to have a all singing, all dancing, no random fouls, no blown dead plays, no stupid calls against coaches when they instinctively throw a challenge flag and <laughs> <laughs> uh, getting called for time uh, delay but well I do know something that might uh, cheer you up and lower your blood pressure at the same time go for it and that's our swing our swing of the week yeah let's uh, looking at the games we've got coming up what do you see as the uh, swing of the week Christmas week so actually for the first time I think there's no you know for ages there's no games on Christmas Eve and the last game's on the 23rd of December, so they've got a bit of a Christmas yeah. bake. I mean, for us, there will be a Christmas game just because of the time difference, but um, we're talking one o'clock in the morning Christmas, so... Absolutely. Do I stay up and watch it and go into work Christmas Eve? <laughs> <laughs> but for me, there's, uh, there's one game that's definitely ste- stepped out, and that is the Cincinnati Bengals at Pittsburgh Steelers. So, not New England at Jacksonville, then? No, 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 not New England. No, no, for me it has to be this. Why? Because I see this totally rearranging the entire concept of the AFC North. Um, One, because I really like the idea of Giants having to go to Baltimore and really sort of step up and sort of have to um, account for themselves for, I'm not even going to call it performance at Atlanta. Yeah. They sort of just turned up at Atlanta. Didn't really do much else. But I really think that the Cincinnati-Pittsburgh game has put more pressure on it because here's mine. Pittsburgh to win it it's in Heinz Field of course and they're going to absolutely blow out the Bungles really I think we're talking about a free score victory so we'll put that into swingometer terms of about 75-25 win for the um, for the Steel City men really you're absolutely really I, going for a big blowout for the I Steelers I think a big blowout for the Steelers I think what they're going to do is they're going to make a statement and the idea is that we're going to have the same thing as we've got in the NFC East at the moment where everyone's sort of splitting on the, the same sort of terms where we're going to have Baltimore will lose this week so they'll go effectively they'll go 9-6 and six, and then you'll have uh, Bengals at 8-7 and seven, and Pittsburgh at 8-7 and seven, so it's all going to go down to the last game of the year you know what I think I think you're wrong <laughs> I think Cincinnati are going to do it because I don't know that Pittsburgh will be able to contain AJ Green. They struggled with him last season. I remember, seem to remember, him before he got injured last year, he injured himself catching a touchdown about a twenty thirty yarder against Steelers, where he went up against two defenders, just caught it at the high point in the end zone. I don't think they've got corners there. That I mean, Ryan Clark is a great safety, but I don't think they've got corners that would be able to handle him. Not to mention that you're seeing the emergence of Hawkins coming out now as well in the slot he can keep his hands on him unfortunately which he, he didn't necessarily have a couple of weeks ago but if you can keep his hands on him and make the key catches you've got AJ Green there as well and you've got of course uh, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis to get a solid ground game and look for Cincinnati to just try and keep the uh, the Steelers off the field oh there you go so if I was going for a counter swing to introduce that <laughs> <laughs> I see your swing <laughs> and, and I, I raise it with my own <laughs> and I'm going to go with a nice simple 60-40 because yeah. it's going to be tight there's no doubt about that I I think personally obviously you're going for a blowout 
I'm going for closeness there to Shocker. And I'm sure you'll have some thoughts about my which is New Orleans over Dallas. It's going to be a good game. I like the look of this game. Romo, well, we all know what I think about Romo, (laughs) but somehow we still managed to get it done, regardless of what we say about him. You can't doubt, obviously, his win against the Steelers this week. And the Saints are coming back into form. We were discussing earlier before the show, you were saying, Marcus, about how they've had such a great achievement coming back from 0-4 to now be 6-8. And uh, looking to try and finish off with a, a you know, 500 record, basically. And although it's in Dallas, New Orleans have got Darren Sproles back. And we know how explosive they are, receivers. They've got um, Moore, they've got Graham, they've got Colson. They've also got a new young lad coming Morgan, from Morgan. he was awesome. Now. Yeah, exactly. They've got so much talent coming through now in that receiver position. Drew Brees definitely got a point to prove after, obviously, he snapped his touchdown scoring consecutive game record etc and uh, I'm looking for that to be a 65-35 swing in favour of the Saints yeah I mean I'd have to go again like with yours I'm going to put a bit of a counter swing in there I think Dallas are going to find another way yes that's right another way to win by a field goal because let's face it that's how they've been able to do it they've been keeping games tight and they've brought it down they've beaten the Bengals they've beaten the Steelers all by field goals I think we're honestly we're talking about something very silly here. Like we're talking about a a 55-45 to Dallas here. We're talking about holding this in into our own. I think I like the way that the idea is that the the defense will put, bring a lot of pressure. I think up that front seven is going to come a lot of stuff throwing towards Breeze. Of course, he's not the tallest quarterback in the in the league, only six foot six one. So I think he's going to have a lot of trouble trying to see over those big bodies, trying to get to his receivers. His corners, uh, they're not the big names that we're talking about. I mean, there's a lot of things going on there, but at the same time, I don't know how they're going to be able to maintain for an entire blitz a blitz zone package. I mean, trying to abuse all of that as long as you're getting enough guys into the front of that box to disrupt Breeze. I think the run game is going to be pretty much non-existent because they have got a great run defense. Where they do suffer is in the past, but I think they're going to work very hard this week on creating that, a counter to Drew Breeze. Best thing you got to do is you've got to go back. You've got to look at the origin, the start of the season. Look what our teams were doing to work on that. How Saints went 0-4 and stuff like that. Why did they go 0-4? Because it can't just be because they didn't have all the players in and stuff like that. I think there must have been something fundamental which the Saints managed to switch around. So you've got to switch it back in your favour. Remember, Kansas City beat the Saints. Yeah, which is just ridiculous still looking back and thinking at it too. They've not had great seasons the last two years, and yet somehow in consecutive seasons they've knocked off the Packers and the Saints. Was that it? Just doesn't make sense. So I see where you're coming from, and they are susceptible. It's going to be tight. We're lost, but it's yeah. going to be tight. We're talking. We are coming down to no field goal. Dan Bailey. Oh. Dan Bailey is an amazing kicker. We were talking about kickers earlier. Earlier, good kickers. He's a good kicker. Absolutely. But Breeze, he's going to just sail through. It will be cool, Breeze, as they say. Um, I think we've pretty much run out of timeage there, but just quickly to finish off, just to give you an update on our Calvin Johnson, is he the best receiver to ever play the game debate? We're currently looking uh, at a 50-50 uh, set at the moment between Calvin Johnson and Jerry Rice. So remember, it's on beneath last week's podcast. Get in there, cast your vote, and we'll keep it going until the end of the season, and then we can have a look at it and see what everyone thinks yep. who the best receiver in the league or to ever play the game rather is and also don't forget if you've got some other options out there because I did have a 
I think of a few that I'd actually missed out. Obviously, thinking of the likes of Fitzgerald, people like that that you could. And I'm going to throw in Stevie Johnson because if you haven't seen his one-handed catch, <laughs> make sure you get out there. Um, and do I it. think people like uh, I must admit, not just being a Rams fan. I think the greatest show on turf, Isaac Bruce and Tori Alt. There's some great names there as well. Absolutely, but Stevie Johnson's a name to remember. Just going to throw that back out there purely because just watch the way he runs his routes. The guy is crisp. He can lose anyone in the league. And consistently, he performs against Darrell Rivas, who is potentially the best cornerback in the league. He always has good games against them. Very rarely does he get shut down. So, on that final note, um, we're going to leave you for this week. We're going to kick back, enjoy our coffee and eat our biscuits. And uh, take care. See ya. See ya.